Before we start, I want to let you know about a new podcast from the FT. It's called The Retreat, and it looks at the dark side of intense meditation. Stick around to hear a trailer at the end of this episode. The Retreat launches January 24th. You can learn more about the podcast in the show notes. Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, January 11th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. is watching Taiwan's election very closely, and Bitcoin ETFs are ready to hit the market. But... The approval will not necessarily mean that U.S. regulators think these are a very good investment idea for majority of investors. Plus, the Iran-backed militant group known as the Houthis are escalating its attacks on ships in the Red Sea. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Sources tell the FT that U.S. President Joe Biden will send a high-level delegation to Taiwan after its presidential election on Saturday. The move is pretty unusual and will probably make China very angry. Taiwan's election has an ominous backdrop to it. The island is under an immense amount of pressure from Beijing to reunify with mainland China. Beijing has suggested it would increase military exercises and economic pressure if Taiwan's current vice president, Lai Xingte, wins. He's associated with a wing of his party that wants to formalize Taiwan's independence. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission okayed the first spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds yesterday. But this time, it was for real. On Tuesday, somebody hacked the SEC's X account and posted a fake update that the commission had approved a Bitcoin ETF. The actual announcement yesterday was a huge moment for cryptocurrency fans. They're betting that ETFs will bring in new investors to the market. Joining me now is the FT's Elaine Moore. She's a technology columnist and the deputy editor of our Lex column. Hey, Elaine. Hi. So, Elaine, what exactly is a Bitcoin ETF and how does it differ from the way that cryptocurrencies are traded now? Bitcoin ETF will be an exchange-traded fund that invests in Bitcoin. So, at the moment, if you want to invest in Bitcoin, you need to have a digital wallet. You need to go to a specialized trading platform. And we've seen the problems that have happened with some of those trading platforms. I'm thinking of FTX. This will make it a lot easier. So you can go to an organization that maybe you're familiar with, like BlackRock, and it issues these publicly traded securities. So it gives you exposure to the price movements of Bitcoin, but you're also investing in something that is traded. What's been the lead up to the SEC's announcement giving approval for an ETF? I mean, just give us a little background about the hype and the hurdles here. Well, it's, it's gone on for a long time. And we have a sort of standoff between regulators and financial institutions who want to offer these sorts of products. The SEC has been very reluctant and has denied approval. And it sort of came to a head last summer because it denied approval to Grayscale Investments, which wanted to convert a Bitcoin trust into Bitcoin ETF. The SEC then lost a court case. And when it lost this court case, that's when the clock started ticking. And the assumption was, if they've lost, that means that approval for these Bitcoin ETFs is coming. Now, how has the SEC and its chair, Gary Gensler, responded to this? U.S. regulators are really worried about market manipulation. Gensler himself has produced a thread on X 
laying out the concerns that he has about crypto investment, warning that it has the possibility of higher risk and volatility for investors. And they've sort of been backed into a corner. The approval will not necessarily mean that the SEC, that US regulators think these are a very good investment idea for majority of investors. Elena, I think it's kind of funny, and I'm sure the irony isn't lost on our listeners, that the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, a, a government body that regulates centralized currency, is getting involved in a entity that is known for being decentralized. Um, yeah. You know, does the SEC stepping in to approve a Bitcoin ETF mark a new phase for crypto itself, and does it take some of the magic out of it? I'm not sure. It depends what, what side of the crypto line divide you fall. If you're a purist, then the idea of cryptocurrencies, of Bitcoin, of blockchain, is that you don't need to have institutions. You don't need to have regulators like the SEC or even governments because you do away with all of that. So it is, you're right, it is strange in a way that we're at this point in time where regulators and financial institutions are stepping in and co-opting something that was actually designed to clear them all out of the way in the wake of the financial crisis. I think there's a sort of compromise going on, maybe on both sides. But if you're a pragmatic sort of a Bitcoin investor, then you assume and you hope that regulation will enlarge the market for this sort of digital asset. And that will potentially mean prices will rise. So depends depends how pure you feel about crypto and Bitcoin. Elaine Moore is the deputy editor of the FT's Lex column. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you so much. For weeks now, shipping has been under threat in the Red Sea. The Houthis, a rebel militant group, has been attacking vessels using drones and missiles. More than a dozen global companies have diverted ships from the Red Sea shipping route since the Houthis' attacks started. And on Tuesday, they launched their biggest ambush yet. Now, the Houthis have been part of Iran's response to the Gaza war, and the attacks are raising fears about a broader war in the Middle East. We are now over 100 days into the war in Gaza after the horrific attacks of October the 7th. And initially, we did not have the Houthis get involved. Kim Gathas is a distinguished fellow at Columbia University's Institute of Global Politics and is based in Beirut. She gave us some background on the group. The Houthis are a rebel movement in Yemen. And over the last eight years since 2015, the Houthis' capabilities have really increased tremendously because they were one of Tehran's loose allies, lesser proxies. And over time, they've become much better armed, much better financed, not just some local ragtag militia. Gathas says Iran is feeling pressure to more directly support Palestine. As time goes by, Iran feels that it cannot remain a credible player in the region where it has always said that it supports the Palestinian cause and not deliver somewhat. And aside from trying to look like it is supporting the Palestinians, it is also, of course, now using this moment of opportunity to push back against U.S. influence in the region, hence the activities by the Houthis against world trade, basically. Nothing is going through the Suez Canal anymore, and everything is going all the way down around the Cape of Africa. And so that's 
12% of world shipping, which has an impact on world economy. And Iran might be testing its influence in the region under the cover of the Houthis. What it does tell us, though, is that the Houthis have gone from a two-bit player to a newly elevated ally of the Iranians in what I see as Iran's negotiations with the Americans about Iran's place in the region off the back of this war unfolding in Gaza. I think it allows the Iranians who do not want war on their own territory to push forward groups like the Houthis to push the international community, to push the West and the U.S. in particular, without much to lose. Kim Gattas was talking to the FT's chief political commentator, Gideon Rockman, in this week's Rockman Review podcast, which is out today. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. The gong bangs at 4 a.m. It's still dark outside, but you get up and get dressed. With the others, you head into the meditation hall. You try not to make eye contact. A volunteer gives you a cushion and directs you to find a spot. You sit and begin. Your goal is to focus your mind. You try to control your breathing, your back hurts, your knees hurt, and you're pretty hungry. You've been here three days, and you have seven more. Some people go to these retreats and they suffer. They might feel a deep sense of terror or a break with reality. And on the other side, they're not themselves anymore. Yesterday, you asked about leaving. But leaving is a bad idea, they say. From the special investigations team at the Financial Times, this is The Retreat. The Retreat. The Retreat. The Retreat. I went into what I would consider a psychotic break. It was like being in a torture chamber for my mind for six months. The retreat. The final goal is to purify the mind. The retreat is the first series from Untold, a new Financial Times investigative podcast. Coming this January. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. 
What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.